grace, and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our crucified Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a philosophy major in undergrad, that phrase, what is truth, that Pilate speaks, speaks to me personally, sometimes bringing back nightmares from some of the classes that I took as a philosophy major. Particularly, it reminds me of a class sophomore year called Symbolic Logic. It's an appropriate title for a class to consider tonight because of the deep symbology ingrained in the passion narrative in John, both in the fulfillment of prophecy and the words that are spoken. Now, this particular class was sort of this exercise in valuing the truth of propositional statements with their conjunctions and disjunctions and negations, sitting there and and mapping out in shorthand symbols whether or not the statements I was handed were truthful or logically didn't quite fit. You see, that was a fun, fun exercise. But the reality is, in our daily lives, we don't have the luxury of that kind of time and wherewithal to evaluate the truth of every statement that we hear, every proposition that we engage in our daily lives. But at the same time, we live in this moment where we value truth, it seems, more than ever. The truth behind science, the science of climate change or the science of this yet ongoing pandemic, the truth of politics. We can now watch political debates, and they have the little ticker underneath that values the statements, tells us whether or not the truth is really being told or bent in one direction or the other. In fact, President Trump recently even started a new social media platform called Truth Social, which apparently is looking for the truth somewhere, perhaps, right? We value the truth. Indeed, right now, we value the truth as we watch war unfold in Eastern Europe and in Ukraine. The truth behind what is going on. The truth behind where these people are going and why they are being forced out of their homes. The reality is, we live in a world much like the world in which Pilate lived, where we wouldn't know truth if it was staring us in the face. And as it turns out, for Pilate, it actually is. Not long before where our narrative picks up this evening, Jesus has just washed the feet of his own disciples, an act of deeply, deeply caring, loving service to them. And then he's foretold the betrayal that Peter will bring upon him. And from there then, he reveals himself as the truth. Jesus says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, would I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. For I am the way and the truth and the life. Tonight, we gather in this place searching for truth. Indeed, Good Friday. It's one of those days in my life where I leave, though, with more questions than answers. Every year, I walk away from this day with two particular challenges on my heart. The first being, why does Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? And two, what does his death matter for my life yet here today? Perhaps it's better to start with the second question here this evening. 
What does his death matter for my life? And I think in order to frame that, we have to understand that the death of a loved one has a lasting impact on our lives. That's why when a loved one of ours is dying, we gather and keep vigil with them. We sit with them. We watch their every breath and tend to their every need until they give up their spirit as well. Indeed, that's why after our loved ones die, we gather in spaces like this to offer prayer, praise, and thanksgiving in remembrance for their lives. I've had the privilege and the honor of sitting and keeping vigil with you and your loved ones over the course of these past few years, of sitting in those sacred spaces, being invited across that threshold as our loved ones prepared across the threshold of life into death. And it is one of the greatest privileges I can have as a pastor. And it's in those spaces that we come together and we cry. It's in those spaces that we're frustrated and perhaps even angry but it's also in those spaces where we pray to God for mercy and love and forgiveness. And it's in those spaces more often than not when stories are shared. The stories of the loved one whom we're preparing to say goodbye to. The stories that connected us so deeply in this life. The stories that we will carry with us through the rest of our own lives. The stories that are the things that made that person special to us. See, tonight, in this sacred space, we are all keeping vigil with Jesus. In fact, every time we gather in this space, we tell the stories of his life. Every time you open the Bible or attend a Bible study or, or Sunday school, whatever it might be, you are engaging the stories of Jesus' life, the stories of his miracles, the stories of the meals that he shares, stories of his teachings and also the stories about those whom he loved and loved him, quite often people who are on the margins of society. Indeed, tonight we are keeping vigil with Jesus. But tonight something unique happens. Tonight his story becomes our story and our suffering becomes his. And that, you see, is the lasting impact of Jesus' death this night. Not a mere remembrance of a person who lived long ago, but a promise of what is yet to come. And what is yet to come is resurrection. But it's not just that our story continues after death. It's that tonight, our death is perfected in His. Our lives are made perfect in His Indeed, tonight we are reminded that Christ has prepared a place for us and will take us to himself. Indeed, we live in a world where we long to belong. A world where we don't always fit in or, or rise to the standards of the society in which we live. And yet tonight we are promised that indeed Christ will take us to himself through the work of the cross. But then that gets us back to that first question. Why this way? Why couldn't God have chosen a, a different way to extend this divine hospitality? And some would say there was no other option. Some would say because we had to fulfill the prophecies the way they were written. This is the script. It has to be followed this way. Otherwise, 
it doesn't work. And true, there's a lot of prophecies fulfilled here this evening. Over and over and over through John's retelling of the Passion story, we hear prophecies being fulfilled, those of the Old Testament, but also those that Jesus himself has prophesied, including the very betrayal of Peter three times over. But, but indeed, for me, prophecy is not a satisfying response because my God is bigger than that. Because my God is big enough to change their own mind. The God I know isn't confined to the words of long ago, but is always making everything new, and with it can even stand outside of the boundaries of what is supposed to happen. As we know, that is the key to the Easter story. God transcending what we think is supposed to happen. See, Jesus doesn't die tonight only to fulfill prophecy. Now it's greater than that. Jesus died tonight because of the predictable brokenness of the world in which he lived, the world in which we still live. A world littered with injustices. A world where we don't listen to voices until they die. A world in which we don't talk about peace until it is that we are embroiled in war and even then we do it begrudgingly. This is the world in which he lived and the world in which he died, and Jesus knew it all along. Earlier, he looks at his disciples and says, In the world you will face persecution, but take courage, for I have conquered the world. Jesus, you see, is like all the kings before him, conquering the world. And just like them, Jesus does it through death. But what makes him different is that it's not the death of innocent people. It's not the death of warring countries and other nations. Instead, it's his own death. His own death worked through the cross. The truth is, he doesn't just suffer for us. But Jesus this evening suffers with us. Today, in this place, we find truth not in propositional statements but in a person. We find truth not in words, but in the Word, made incarnate from the very beginning of time. And it's tonight that we leave this sacred space with the story of the Easter promise yet burning in our hearts. That promise that indeed, although this evening the truth is crucified, that what we know to be true is that the truth conquers all in resurrection. So thanks be to God for the truth this evening and always. Amen.